Welcome to episode 53 of the Wavy Nierka podcast. I'm your host, Elijah Taylor. And on one side of the mic, I have the OG of podcasting, the big dog in Staten Island, Akil St. Louis. How you doing? Shaolin, the unofficial official. I haven't said that in a while, so I, I wanted to get it off my chest. <laughs> and on the other side of the note, on the other side of the mic, we have a guest. We have a female guest. I know a lot of people do say we do not have enough female perspective on his voice. So today, those prayers have been answered. We have Alexandria. Alexandria, thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate it. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. This is my first podcast, so I'm, I'm happy to be able to join and, you know, have good dialogue today. So yes, thanks for having me. Should be good. Should be good. Before we start, uh, I usually start every episode kind of asking everybody, how are you doing? How's everything going? Um, I guess since you're on the ladies first, how's your quarantine been going? How have you been handling yourself during the COVID-19 crisis? Yeah, it's going pretty well. So I actually, I live by myself in um, Rawway, New Jersey. I work at NBC. Um, I'm a SFA, Senior Financial Analyst in nice. New York. So we're working from home currently, but because I live by myself, it, it kind of sucks to not have any interaction with anybody. So right now I'm kind of like going back and forth between like my parents' house and going back home. So it's been good to be able to have the two places where I could switch back and forth because you know, my parents have a house, so it's like a little bit more room for me to work yeah. and, you know, interaction with them and my sister rather than being in my like small apartment by myself. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I'm just adjusting, but um, our VP told us that we probably won't be coming back until next year. So to pretty much get used to working from home for a year. Yeah. Because, you know, New York is just Better has started. the Yeah. And we'll definitely touch yeah. into that some more later on in the pod. But uh, yeah, I could definitely feel you on the working from home thing. And I know a lot of people similar in their cases where like they may have moved to the city, they live on their own. And now like just due to this, instead of living on their own or living with roommates, you know, they move back with their parents just to have, you know, right. interaction. Because a lot of people are like, so, there are some people living alone and it's kind of, it's not the same. And you know, a lot of people usually rely on going into the office to get their daily source of interaction. So it's definitely right. a hard adjustment. But Akil, how about yourself? How have you been holding up during the quarantine, my guy? Well, it's been, you know, the quarantine is, I, I've been quarantined since February 15th, I think. So before all this shit started, I was, I was, uh, you know, inside and just rehabbing, trying to get stronger. Um, How's the rehab it's going? It's been, uh, the rehab is going well. Um, my back my ribs every every the the other parts outside of my leg are not hurting my leg is the one that's hurting the most um but the one that gives me pleasure is when i go online and i type in the, the person that hit us i'm going to say her name her name is lisa phillips mm -hmm. I'm, I'm putting out that government so lisa. everybody knows lisa, mm -hmm. lisa, phillips. Know. lisa phillips she's in jail she's still in jail but she's trying hard body yeah, so. to get out. <laughs> she's trying. She hired two lawyers. Two lawyers she's trying to get that bond. <laughs> nope. Nope. So she. So when she hit us, is that I said on the last podcast? But when she hit us, she got into another DUI. April thirteenth. Oh, this. Oh wait. So oh, there was wow. another one after you. I didn't tell. Yeah, I didn't what? tell you about that. Yep. So she's. What? No. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She has problems. Yes, sir. Yeah, so she got another DUI on the 13th 
So she got arrested on the ninth for our case and then got arrested on the 13th for another DUI. So for those who are struggling with alcoholism, get, help. get some help. Yes, Hopefully that gets justice gets served. That's insane that she could even yeah. go back out into the driving world, but right. that's our life. It's really crazy. But hopefully, you know, your rehab gets a lot better going on. For the people that can't see you right now, yo, Akil has a fresh cut right now. I don't like we're yeah, it. to like quarantine right now. Uh before we started the show, I had to ask him was he like sneaking out, you know, getting his hair cut. <laughs> Apparently this guy could cut his own hair, but um Yep. Come to Casablanca's. <laughs> Casablanca's is my barbershop. Said, you know, Staten Island. If y'all want to drive out here, come see me. I'll hook y'all up for free. Free. That's everything you for need. free. Yeah, Honestly, you know what I'm saying. I, I, first of all, I've been a heavy-headed dude for a minute. I mean, I was getting shape ups. Clearly, that's done. Facial hair is done. Like, like I said, me and you are two complete opposites right now. But. I've been strong. I mean, I've been seeing people like going bald, like shaving their hair themselves when not doing a lineup. And I'm just like, son, like you either cleaned up fully or you not cleaned up at all. Like you can't half ass it. It looks some people look really bad. But um, yeah, <laughs> in terms of me for quarantine, I'm, I've been all right. You know, it's been long. It's been frustrating. But, you know, the working from home thing is obviously trash. I think the last time I told you I was on here, like my job had like 10 percent. Everybody had like a 10% salary cut, which whatever, I guess I should be grateful to have a job, but when they're not paying you as much as you should be getting, you know, it is what it is. So that's been that work has been annoying. Like I said, working from home is really, really frustrating, but we've been trying to make the most out of it. Just trying to, you know, enjoy time being home with the family, but it's definitely, definitely something that I want to end. But at the same time, I don't really see an end in sight until there's a vaccine like even right even now like if you listen to the governor like you kind of see that like you know new york's on the trend to like reopening like at least new york city i don't think personally speaking we won't be back to like some semblance of even like reopening until like in my head i would say the middle of june so like that june 15th date like maybe certain you know things might open like you know maybe construction or maybe like certain retail stores but like at the same time, it's like, I don't know how in hell we could go back to like taking the train, for example, or going into a crowded office. So I don't know. Like, I know for me, I think everybody listening and as well as us, we got to got to get into that point where we got to start planning. What are we going to do for us? Just because like the government says we could go back to work doesn't necessarily mean it's safe. So I know for me personally, I'm going to probably go into driving to work if I have to. Although I'm personally really trying to like avoid, you know, crowds. So I don't even know if I really want to go into work every day. So that's just something that like I really got to think about and, you know, just been trying to plan it ahead so I don't get caught up. But we'll have to see, man. You'll have to see. We will the good see. The thing is better days are coming and I think we could talk about some more positive news. Um, I woke up today. I don't. I don't really watch soccer, but this brought me hope with the NBA coming back soon. So in Germany, they have a football league. I believe it's the Bundesliga league. I think I said that right. And they had their first, you know, resumed football since the crisis started. So that was like a good layout as to what sports would look like coming back. And and from what I saw, it was pretty cool. Obviously, um, 
I'm a degenerate gambler. I didn't bet on it, but the degenerate gamblers I know were betting on it. And to see everything back as it was, it was fine. Like, you know, the players were out there. They were playing full out. I think the score was like 4-0 or whatever, but the crowd was empty. But it's still like, you know, they saw their full sidelines of, you know, bench players, coaches, trainers. So there's still a little bit of noise in the stadium. And I would say for the most part, like, from the viewer viewer standpoint, watching at home, it almost seems like a scrimmage. Like you ever seen NBA Summer League? It seemed like NBA Summer League, where you kind of just hear like the sneakers like shuffling on the court. That's what it seemed like in a soccer match. You just heard all that little chatter in the background. And all in all, I thought it was pretty entertaining, and it gave me hope that you know the NBA probably will come back. I mean, I think at this after this week, what we've heard, the NBA is pretty much you know almost a done deal as to coming back i think they're aiming for a july date and it's just a matter of procedure i mean from what i saw with like the soccer league everybody that wasn't playing was wearing a mask if you was playing you didn't have a mask on. everybody else was wearing a mask the rest i think the rest didn't have masks but everybody else had mask on i'm pretty sure they were tested you know days or before the game or maybe a day before the game so i see a, a blueprint but what i'm afraid of and i want your thoughts on this is do y'all think how do you think this is going to be perceived by the people? Because there's going to be some people that are possibly saying, yo, we're wasting tests on basketball players so they could play basketball, which is a sport which is entertaining and important to us, but it is not necessarily a real need. How do you think that's going to go about? How do you think of this plan in a whole? Yeah, well, I think, um, well, Akil, do you want to go? No, no the ladies always <laughs> So I posted this on my story a couple weeks ago, and I know Akil saw it. So I have a few friends at the NBA who said that as of now, the season isn't canceled. They haven't heard any cancellations yet. And right now, Adam Silver is apparently planning to have the players play in Vegas and do that thing, I guess, like you said, you know, before each game. But I don't think it's going to be perceived well by the public, because even when I posted that, a lot of people were like, no, that's ridiculous. You shouldn't be wasting tests on NBA. There's just other people out here that need to be tested, especially people who are like in lower income neighborhoods and stuff like that. So they were saying that they just think that it would be a selfish thing to bring the NBA back. Now, my personal opinion on it, I like I love it. NBA. Um, Akil knows like LeBron is my favorite player. He's been my favorite player since he was at St. Mary's, St. Vincent. Like day one LeBron fan. And I also used to play ball growing up. Like I used to play with my dad and I used to play in junior. Uh, high school and high school and stuff like that so I really have a love for the game outside of LeBron like I'm just a fan of basketball yeah. so I was excited to see what was going to happen this season because you know like the Lakers Clippers that would have been a good series even people in the east like it, it just would have balanced out because KD and and Steph and all them you know what I mean they, they were hurt so it was kind of obviously I never wish injury on anybody but it's nice to see some balance in the yeah, league definitely my personal opinion is I don't think Adam should just clip the season. I really hope he postpones it. Yeah. But then it's kind of like when you think about it, like, does that make sense, though? Because it's like they, if he postpones it and they come back in December, it just throws the whole the next season. Yeah, it's almost exactly. like right now we have like a definite window where if we don't take care of the season that's left, then we risk intruding on next year's season or just canceling the season right. as a whole. Uh, and, and yeah, and I, I feel the same. I, I think it's definitely, it has to be done right, obviously. Um, I think with basketball, the luxury we have with basketball versus the other sports is that the season was almost done. Like, I think everybody knows usually, like, 
NBA after All-Star Weekend is always that mad dash to the finish. It's usually like 30-something games. Everybody's playing. It's usually about three to four games a week per team. And I think right now everybody's on average with like maybe 15 games left. So the bubble, and I think what they did to make it sound a lot better is they stopped using that bubble terminology and they tried to use the word campus. So campus... I, campus sounds more happy. When you think of campus, you think of like, you know, a college campus, like, oh, we're going to Oregon or we're, we're going to be in Vegas. So instead of just saying a bubble where like a bubble sounds like a prison, a bubble sounds like, yo, I can't go out and can't go in. And even though they can't go out and go in, if this does happen, I do think if they proceed with it correctly, you know, obviously I think it, the, the United States has to be in a place where there's enough testing, where you could use that testing on NBA players and still have enough for the general population. And I think we're getting right. closer there to that every day. But I, like I said, I think until that's there, you can't necessarily go, you know, wasting tests. But I do think this season is going to finish. I mean, I think it needs to finish. I just think people are too invested in it. And from an economic standpoint, it just it makes sense. Like I said, if you could finish it without if you could find a way to finish the season with minimal risk, by all means, go for it. But it has to be something that both the players and the, and the league management agrees on. Definitely. Both agree on. That's the thing. You got to agree. CBA has to agree. The NBA has to agree. So it takes time. We'll see. I do like that there's conversations being had, though. So I I definitely think it's more of a we want to do this. It's just a matter of what are we going to do? What's the protocol? Because the, the real thing is we're waiting for is what happens if a player gets sick like what will right. we do? what will will we do like so obviously you we do have a couple other leagues around you know the world right now you know starting up in other sports so we just got to see what happens how often is this happening and obviously if it could go without a hitch where nobody gets sick which probably is unlikely but you never know then you know that'd be a blessing but we'll have to see man i'm just looking forward to it we will see i, I think this season needs to go this is my boy bronze best Me shot too. to get this ring so Thank you. Thank you. Oh, God. Wow. I like you even more. Oh, God. It would be nice to meet his sports ring. And then this year, everything would happen with Kobe. I don't even like the Lakers, but for them to get this, I think it would be fitting. So Exactly, for Kobe. And then I I honestly think he would have gotten his fifth MVP as well. And that's the thing, too, that I wanted to discuss, too, is, like, what happens to the regular season awards? Because, like you said, the season was pretty much done, right? So the playoffs were already, like, you already clenched. Yeah, so I feel like even if they if they do cancel the season, I feel like they should still give those regular yeah, season 100%. awards. It just becomes um, a different narrative now because it was, if it's not a full season or even, like, with this just looming over, it's like if we see a crappy performance from LeBron for, like, two weeks, he wasn't playing basketball. Oh, yeah, yeah, right, right, right. right. But yeah. at the same time, the same thing would happen if it's Giannis. It's such a narrative award that I don't want to take away from the award if anybody wins it this year, but it's definitely going to have something looming over it, to say the least. With an asterisk. But I would say right. the season, if they win, like any championship would still count this year. I won't put an asterisk over it because this isn't the first time where we had like a shortened season. Like we had a lockout season. Most people don't know. Like LeBron, 98, LeBron 99. The lockout season a couple years ago, I think I was in college back then. Remember that? That was like my freshman year. So yeah. in college, it was a lockout season. So, you know, history, we don't go back and say, oh, yeah, it was a shortened season, LeBron. That doesn't count. Right, right. Nobody cares. So it's really about just who wins or loses. So I don't think history is gonna really frown upon like how it was done as long as there's a clear cut winner, you know. Yeah. 
depicted. So we'll see how it goes. But yeah. we're gonna jump off basketball. I want to talk a little bit more because we were talking about your um, professional experience. You working at NBC, and you had brought something really good up earlier today. So let's just talk about what you do there, how long you've been there, and what is it like actually working there. Yeah. So I so I. Just, I guess, like pedaling back. So I graduated from Temple University with my um, BBA in accounting. So I've always been in like the accounting field. I started off when I graduated working at a public accounting firm in Philly called BDO. And then I realized public accounting was not for me. So I, <laughs> yeah, it was very boring, right? Yeah, it was, it was, well, actually, the audit was cool. I, I, that's the thing. I was in a tax um, accountant. I was an audit accountant. So, like, some of the stuff that we did was interesting because we actually, like, you know, we're just, like, looking for fraud, making sure that the companies weren't, like, cooking the books and just making sure that everything was, the internal controls were properly executed, you know, the right way. So, it was fun. It was just that busy season period, which is, like, technically tax season, which was draining for me because, Technically, I feel like they, it should be illegal how many hours we were working. Like, they were literally overworking us to the point where, like, they didn't even care how many, how much vacation time over the summer because they knew in so many works for, like, four to five, so many hours for four to five months. So I was like, no, I'm, like, too young for this. This is crazy. <laughs> I can't do it. So, and, I, and I also didn't, like, want to get my CPA and all that stuff. I just wasn't passionate about it. So... I was like, let me look elsewhere, and that's when I found NBC, and I got into finance, and I just think it's more interesting because it's a media company, and I'm interested in, like, film and, and news and just media in general, and I respect the company. So I've been there for um, June, will make three years. I started off as an FA, financial analyst. Now I'm an SFA, and I'm trying to become manager um, within this next year. Basically, my job is I'm within the FPNA group, which is like the financial planning and analysis group, and we pretty much just consolidate and analyze the lines of business financials and just make sure that we're communicating information to corporate finance, which essentially communicates their financials to Comcast because Comcast owns NBC. So basically, like the liaison between like the the lines of business, which is like engineering, technology, global operations, all those groups that make NBC air and run, like for you to see the shows and like the studio operations, that's what they do, what those finance leads do. They support those functions and we pretty much are like the consolidators, we analyze it and we pretty much let like corporate know where their numbers are rolling up, like their actuals and their finances. So it's cool, I just, I'm I'm on the allocation part, so I pretty much focus allocations um kind of want to get more into a different sector like i kind of want to go into like entertainment or um ad sales like a more revenue-based group because right now we're just all costs which can get kind of boring you know what i mean i'm kind of over that i want to like get into the revenue side and see like you know how we're actually making money and contribute to the business making money so that's the goal right now but obviously unfortunately with covid19 it set back all of the interviews that I had and that a lot of different employees at NBC had because they, you know, they're no longer interviewing. So like right now I'm kind of stuck at where I'm at. So, you know, working with my manager and like the, the VP to try to get me more challenging work and just because they know I wanted to move up and they supported me. But, you know, now that everything is kind of stand, so just trying to figure out more ways to keep me challenged and um, just figure out new um new way new i guess new groups to dive into a new project to dive into but i think 
from my personal experience being, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm the only black woman within our group. There's another um, black man within our group. He's actually from Antigua. Um, so, oh, wow. Yeah, we're the only two minorities within our ONT group. So, you know, it's, it's a little bit difficult because obviously there's not a lot of people that look like me. But the good thing, the good part about where I work, there's a lot of women actually within my group. Like my manager is a woman. She has a CPA and a few other women that I work with. And a lot of the finance leads are all women. So it does make it, it helps it a little bit that I'm working with a lot of women. But the VPs and like the higher up executives, they're all, of course, white. So... Mm-hmm. It does make it a little difficult just because I have to work 10 times harder. You know, I need to always make sure I'm on point with everything. Exactly. You know, my voice is heard because I'm not only am I a woman, I'm also a black woman. So I have to make sure I always speak up and that I'm just, you know, I just have to work 10 times harder just to make sure that people are appreciating, you know, what I'm bringing. Yeah. I think I have done that. You know, I got promoted. A lot of people say that I work hard and that I'm good at what I do. So it's good to hear that but even like just you guys know too like from being black males you always have to make sure even from the way you dress and the way you look that you always look on point right i can't yeah. come to being crazy because people will judge me you know yeah, so it's I feel you on that and it's like i feel like especially as a young african-american person it's like you're trying to it's almost like you have no room for error whereas like maybe somebody mm-hmm. else you know oh we'll let you learn from your mistakes but when you're at this level it's like it's tough. It's very tough, especially when you're in a workplace and, you know, a lot of companies will say, I know, for example, my company now says that and a lot of my one of my older companies said that, like, you know, they're driving to push more women in the workplace. But just because they're doing that doesn't necessarily mean they're making the workplace more diverse is what I've noticed. So it's like you'll look around and say, yeah, we have a lot of women leadership, but there's not a lot of minority women leadership. So it's like, you know, the vice presidents are all white. The presidents are white. And it's like, yep. it's cool, but it's hard to like, you know, see, it's hard to not see it if, you know, I don't like to always bring up race, but it's like, it's hard to not see it when there's no diversity and you're like, there's tons of qualified, you know, African-American tons. candidates yeah. that can work in these jobs and work in these fields. But for whatever reason, they're not being brought to the table. And I don't want to say they don't care, but it's no sense of urgency to kind of do something to fix that almost, you know what I'm saying? Right. So it's like, yeah, yep, for sure. So I guess what I would say is at your job, are there any things implemented to like kind of increase diversity in the workplace? I know, for example, at my job, there's nothing like it's just me, myself. I'm probably one of like, we're a media company as well. We're a global media company called Haymarket. But I would say my company, like, in our office alone, I'm one of maybe nine black people. And it's like, when you look at it in terms of leadership, there's not that many, there's maybe like one black woman that's like in a like higher position. But it's like, for the most part, it's like, we don't really have seats at the table on in terms of what we do as a company. And I don't know if that's part of the problem, but it's just like, if nobody speaks up, nothing's going to get done. But it's things I've noticed. Right. Yeah, no, I, I think so. Some of the, the groups that they have at NBC is they do have, um, I'm sure this company has this, but we have like a black employee network called Ben. So um, that is a group that obviously, you know, just a bunch of um, minority or black, anybody can join, but it's mostly for black people that you can join and just basically um, connect and, and um, you know, 
introduce yourself to other professionals within the company that are black so you can kind of like transition into different groups or um you know meet new executives in different groups to try to see you know just to like basically um extend within the company so they definitely have um a, a group like that and there's also a young professional network um where you can just meet other professionals and interact with with other executives and other people within the company but like you said i mean it's not within my group we don't really have anything as far as i guess trying to make it more diverse group like i kind of have to you know proactive and and join these groups in order to to find that that um that type of opportunity yeah. so i agree i think like it could it could be better for our company as well but i think also too i work in finance so just finance in general there's not a lot of black people that work in that or at least not a lot of black women yeah. there are black people that work at mbc but they work in like different groups like in yeah. production or like ad sales you know yeah. what i mean but finance in general i just don't think that's a predominantly black industry yeah that's true that is true i wonder why that is well, it starts at the bottom. There's the teacher guy. Yeah. You would be able to give us the answer to that. <laughs> it, gets deep, it gets way deeper than that. I mean, it really just comes down to, you know, not reinforcing people, like, for wanting math. Like, you know, people grow up scared of numbers and everything. Mm -hmm. so it's like anything with numbers, people want to usually stay away from those careers, or anything with science. And, you know, that's kind of why you see those disparities in, like, tech, you know, science, engineering fields usually more times than not and then finance as well because yeah. i can say the same thing at my job it's like it's primarily asian white and that's it i don't think there's one black person <laughs> on our financial mm -hmm. group so okay. that's just how it is yeah that's a good that's a good point um a lot of they do it's it's kind of a stereotype that black people are afraid of numbers and science but you know I, i've actually heard that from a lot of like Black people that I know too, they know they don't like math or they don't like science. So yeah, and it also comes down to education too. I remember like my dad was an accountant, so he really pushed for me to to graduate with an accounting degree because he was like, look, he's like, I know you know it's not your passion, but you can always use account. Like everybody always needs an accountant. Like you'll always have a job out of college because people need to manage their their finances and books. So he was like, just get this degree and then you can do whatever you want. You can start your own business in the future, whatever. Just Make sure you you have a, a degree that can be used and can get something you a job that's in demand. Exactly, yeah. It, it's hard when you know, like, for some people who are like, for example, my sister, she graduated with like a um, degree in like um, performance arts, and it's much harder for her to get a job out of college because you know what I mean. It's not, it's not really a a career where it, it's not in like, demand. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I was having this conversation on Twitter. Well, not a conversation. It was more of a rant. But I was saying that college, <laughs> not to say that college is a scam, but it's like more things in college. What college fails to do, and I think why college in a, as a whole needs to kind of be revamped is college teaches you a lot of things, but college doesn't show you the direct application of those things that you're learning in a lot of cases. With the exception right. of things like accounting, like nursing, like 
I don't even know. I mean, even business. Business is kind of vague, but um, I'm trying to think. Like, oh, there's a lot of things. Like, for example, I went to college. I had a biology degree, one of the hardest things. But, like, in reality, there's no clear cut. I can't go and be a scientist with just a biology degree. I still have to go get a whole bunch of lab. Like, if I wanted to do that, I still have to get a whole bunch of lab certifications, a whole bunch of licensing courses before I'm even really where I need to be. And even then, doing that, I could have done that fresh out of high school without any degree. So I think what college does, it does fail to show you know, applications at times for certain things. Cause I was revisiting something in statistics the other day and I realized like you could apply basic statistic educational courses to like anything, like whether it's, you know, sports statistics or you want to get into a field of data science and you want to learn how we understand these things, what the mode, the mean, you know, averages, whatever, the range, how do we use that to interpret data? And I feel like when I was learning that in college, it was never like one professor say, here's what you could actually use this for. Instead, it's like, here, you need to know how to do this and you need to know how to do this at the hardest level. Why? We don't right. know. But <laughs> but this but this dates back not even college. I think people, especially black people, men and women, we have a an issue with financial uh, literacy. 100%. Like when I was in when I was in high school, um, I didn't know anything about interest, anything about loans, anything well, about simple things. Back of the textbook, so you don't get to it in a year. But exactly. <laughs> so you know, even going in going into college and just deciding on what school do I think it's best for me, I chose a school, but I didn't realize. Oh, you're gonna have to pay extra x amount of money in order to pay that back so you have to pay the interest and then you're paying the principal mm -hmm. yep. so I, didn't, yep. I didn't know that so now the you know in high school you know teaching in the high school with the girls you know last year i remember i was talking to one of the girls i was like what school are you going to one of them goes uh well, i'm not going to no no private school i'm gonna go to a state or a SUNY, a state or a cuny school because i'm not gonna have all this interest mm -hmm. and i was like i wish i knew that in high yeah. school that's what I told because them. Because of like things like social media, all you hear is people dreading about uh student loans, uh that. Right, so it's right. like they see that and they're like, oh, what is that? And now with like the internet at people's fingertips, people could just go on their cell phone and Google what student loan interest. Oh, I don't want that. Yeah. And you look at that from the outside of you, you're like, oh, why would I? Why the fuck would I do that? Like, why would I pay double? Right. So it's like, yeah, why would I do this? It's just. Yeah, and that's why great. it takes so long to pay off your loans because you're just hitting the interest, you know, for like like. The first few years but well, the good thing about like covid i know right now they're saying that because of what's going on if you're still paying your loans Frozen, like the interest it's... rates right yeah exactly yeah yeah so but that's funny yeah financial literacy is definitely tough, yeah it needs to school as a whole needs to be reversed to like have more life skills and more like things you actually need in life instead of like i don't mind the things they're teaching us but more so give us an answer of why we're teaching it like i said i learned from like a coach where like a, i think it was a track coach i had in college i think it was simon and he was like yo like it's not about like i appreciate the athletes that want to know why we're doing something versus people that just complain about doing it and don't gain anything from it because when you understand why you're doing something from it it's easier to understand how it's going to help you and it just gives you like a vested interest in what you're actually doing so it's like things like that is just so important i i just think it could be better but yeah it is what it is and that's and why it's very yeah, no, I, was saying, ahead, I was saying it's like that's why it's very important that you know alexandra is on you know on right now just giving her life story trying to educate people who are not financially smart with their with their monies 
Especially now that everybody got twelve hundred dollars. It's good to have it, another but what you gonna one. do yeah. with it? Right, I heard people are getting another one. <laughs> <laughs> what are you gonna do with that other one? That's that's a that's a right. big question. Mm-hmm. I ain't spent the first exactly. one yet, but <laughs> I'm gonna save it. It's gonna go the same place the first one went. But it it is crazy. <laughs> Speaking of that, I find it That's funny. It, I know this is off topic, but I was just listening to some guy rant on uh, it was some Facebook shit. I gotta stay on Facebook, but it was just like, <laughs> in reality, it's like that twelve hundred dollars. Yeah, it's nice, but it's like it's nice for the people that don't need it, like myself. Like I'll, I'll be honest, like that twelve hundred dollars right now, I don't need it. I'm still fortunate enough to have my job, even though my salary did get reduced until the end of June, until the end of this fiscal year, like by ten percent. In reality, that's like what two percent on a year. There's people that actually need the money that are like, you know, they're getting $1,200, but that doesn't do anything. Like when you think about it, it's like $1,200 in New York. That's not really covering your rent. Then it's like food. Then you have car payments and yet and rent payments. Some people have to pay rent. And it's like in reality, it's like, yeah, we're deferring those things. But it's like all we're really doing is like kicking the can down the road. And it's almost like, what do you want them to do? It's almost like. I feel like you almost have to restructure whatever type of, you know, payment plans anybody's on in order for this to be feasible. Because it's like if somebody hasn't been working for like, you know, three months, four months and they were living paycheck to paycheck, they're not going to all of a sudden, you know, have money when they start working again. It's just I think that's a little unfeasible. And I think what they're going to have to start, the federal government is going to have to start talking about what the plan is to actually help people get out of this bind that they're in because it's realistically it makes no sense Whereas, mm-hmm. like we know they're bailing out a lot of these big financial corporations that you know whatever but you know you got to take care of the normal working class people so it's going to be very interesting that's just my two cents yeah no definitely. And, and that's funny too because I, I know before just kind of off topic too but you said that you were um a bio major i forgot to mention that too when i came to Temple. I originally was a bio Everybody major. Everybody I know that went to Temple was a bio major at first, and then they said, "Yo, this is <laughs> Temple's in the hood." Temple definitely in the hood. North Philly, like it was, it was crazy. But yeah, no, I wanted to actually be an orthodontist because I had braces, and I was really. I know that this sounds nasty, but I actually like being in people's mouths, so I, I wanted to be um, an orthodontist. And I was like, when I when I came there, my friends and I were like, "Yo, this this shit is just way too hard." Like I. <laughs> We were like, nah, this is just, if at this point, like sophomore years when I transferred, I was like, at this point, I'm still not getting it and like getting to where I want to be. I need to switch. So that's when I switched to accounting and it was much Probably easier Probably the for best me, decision yeah. you made in life. And yeah, <laughs> <laughs> what I needed back then was somebody to say, yeah, yeah, this is the hardest shit you're going to do in your life, but it's Get not going to equate to anything. <laughs> and it, I guess I did have the med school, like, you know, I, ideology in my head, but it's like, by the time I got to like my junior year, end of junior year, I'm like, I don't want to do this. If there's any, if med school is harder than this, I don't want to do this. Yeah. Like, I'm not interested. Exactly. It's not worth it. And the, it's yeah. just too bad because once you're like past your junior year, you're kind of locked in. I mean, I was on like a track scholarship. Yeah. So I only have four years to kind of get this done before I'm paying full price for these courses. So it's one of those where it's like, mm-hmm. all right, let me just get the degree, finish it out later. But yeah. Definitely, <laughs> if, I could re- if I could recommend anything to anybody, it's just let them explain to you how you could get a job afterwards. If they can't explain it to you, exactly. if the advisor can't explain it to you without giving you, uh, I think you could do this and giving you full story, <laughs> <just back up. laughs> that's all I'm going to say. 
That's exactly. Funny. Yeah, I didn't even get to physics. I was like, nah, because I heard physics, the curve, and that was so crazy. People were passing with like a 47. <laughs> that's how I tried to reverse engineer it. I tried to take the hardest courses first because I figured, oh, it's only going to get easier. But nope. Once I got to organic chemistry my senior year, that was the first time I thought I was going to drop out of college. But (laughs) we figured it out, man. But maybe in the future, maybe in this post-COVID world, a biology degree might be of value. I doubt it, but (laughs) we'll see. Right. But I feel like what I also want to get to and I know this is like a completely different topic, but get to the nitty gritty. Yeah, this is nitty gritty, but like it's summer. Like today's a nice day. You know the weather's nice. It's sunny. I've been outside, you know, to go get McDonald's, and people are outside. And I was just starting to wonder, like, what is this summer actually gonna look like? Because if people think they're gonna be able to travel anywhere, that's dead. Like. I think a lot of people, some people have in the back of their heads that, oh, Florida's open, Texas is open, like, we'll be able to go there and do whatever, but apparently, and I heard that, I heard this from a friend that actually just went to Texas yesterday, apparently, if you're from New York, and you go to Texas or Florida, they're looking at you like you have a full-blown disease, like, you're not, like, literally, he told me they pressed them in the baggage check, like, hey, where you from, buddy? Uh, New York, and granted, he actually had COVID, he's He's, he's good now you know he's has antibodies been negative for a while but they literally went up to him and said hey buddy um where are you coming from new york yo we need you to fill this yo you're on a 14-day quarantine you can't go nowhere if we catch you you're going to jail thousand dollar fine like literally i'm just wondering what are we supposed to do this summer and how is this really going to get enforced in these other states like how is this going to get contained any of you guys have any ideas i have no idea but for those who I know my myself I'm dating and Elijah's dating. Alexandria, you're you're single, so you know, how is single life gonna be? You know Yeah, single life is single life is definitely even more trash right now. Cause it's like it's like you can't even go on dates right now, you know what I mean? Like you literally cannot see anybody. Yeah, well, like the thing called you got zoom and, dates now basically. Yeah, zoom dates and it's like what is that doing for me? Like <laughs> I can't do it, but it's just yeah. At least like with you guys, you guys are dating. I'm just I'm assuming you guys are. I know Akil, you're in a relationship, but Elijah, I'm guessing you're in a relationship yep. too. So it's like it's better for you guys because at least you have a significant other that you can at least like you know be with, and and at least you know after COVID, you guys will still be together. But yeah, it's definitely harder for us single people because you know I was dating and like going out, you know, on dates and stuff like that. And now all of that has kind of stopped Stop. and. <laughs> Yeah, and it's also even too like you know, we're all grown. Like, of course, intimacy and all that stuff is shut down unless you're in a relationship. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, you know, girls are really out here struggling right now. <laughs> and I, I don't know how it gets better because it's just like, it's almost like a level of trust. Like you're gonna ask somebody, yeah, I'm not making out with you until you get tested, and you know, right. just because they test negative one day doesn't mean they don't. You know, it's just so inconclusive. It's really crazy. But I guess mm-hmm. to piggyback on yeah. his topic, how do you feel this is going to affect you later? Like, how are you going to be able to do you think like as a whole, like, are people going to just be so, you know, reserved that they're not going to really be able to open up to people or they're not going to really feel comfortable talking to anybody until there's a vaccine? Like, to be honest, I don't know, because even just just by seeing like I know with New York, you know, it, there's more um, restrictions and stuff like with the stay at home order and stuff like that. But I feel like a lot of people are just 
so fed up of staying home and like being quarantined. I really feel like after this is over, I don't think people are gonna be that hesitant to see each other. I don't I don't know. I just feel like people are so tired and and you know, they just they're lacking that that interaction with, with their friends and, and different people. I don't think they're gonna be that hesitant when everything opens back up. Because I, I see people saying right now, like I can't wait for stuff to open up, I'm gonna be lit. Yeah. <laughs> Like y'all can go ahead. Like I'm literally, if they open stuff up, which I don't I think, think yeah. that's, I think that's, yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. I think people's but, realities of that is like, it's not like we're just going to snap the fingers and it's like, Oh, bars is back open. Full fledged uh, clubs are back open. Like I know in the news, like there was like a club in South Korea where one guy went to five different clubs. The first day they opened back up, that guy had COVID and spreaded it to like 20 oh plus. People. So it's like, in reality, the club, it just, you can't go back to normal, normal until there is, you know, a vaccine or at least, you know, adequate treatment. So it's just, I don't know. <laughs> and you know what? That's what I want to say, too. I want to speak to all the females listening. Like, y'all do not need to be getting your nails done right now. Y'all need to get your hair done. Like, and Akil knows me. I love getting my nails done, my hair done. I'm not doing that right now. It's really, like, this is a pandemic. People are dying. Like, if don't like I, I got so mad when I saw people at the hair salon and stuff like that it's like you don't those are not essential things that we need to get done like just paint your nails at home you know rock your braids or rock your afro or whatever you know like it's, it's not worth getting people sick and people dying so that's that's something that actually really bothers me when I see so sundress season is canceled season yeah is canceled. Canceled. I'm sorry oh, like, wow. it's canceled. like I don't know when they're like hit it here first <laughs> Like, oh, you know, the governor's gonna um end it June 13th. No, he's gonna extend it again on June 13th to July 13th. He's gonna keep it, <laughs> yeah, and like, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I feel like in New York, they're giving us piece by piece so everybody doesn't mentally like go crazy, but like, yeah, it's literally. I think June 13th may be, hey, we're gonna open construction and you know, you're gonna have curbside pickup at you know, Arby's or you know, Marshall's. You may be able to go into Marshall's and order something off the app and they'll bring it to your car but that's about it in terms of you going to the mall there's gonna only if they open the mall there's only gonna be like a quarter of the population allowed in the mall it won't be something where everybody could go in so like that whole notive of like the old days that's dead until there is a vaccine which i don't realistically coming from a science background i don't realistically think that's feasible until I would say in a perfect world, in a perfect world with everything worked out. Like I'm, I heard the other day they tested it on monkeys. The monkeys had antibodies within 14 days. Um, let's say that trial works on humans. They fast track it to FDA. The soonest would be December, like just in time for Christmas. And then even if we do, you know, master the vaccine, we need to still figure out uh, how long does the resistance last for? Does this COVID, you know, strain turn into something else? Does, you know, are they, are we working to have enough vials where this could be, you know, administered to everybody? Like, you know, obviously we didn't have enough testing, so you could just imagine this with a vaccine. So it's so many steps, and I think people really need to just lower the expectations, take everything one day in a at a time, and kind of just live in the now because we don't know what's going to happen going forward. Right, exactly. This is the new normal. I've gotten like it sucks, but I definitely have you know tried to adjust to it. Like like today, and that's one thing I wanted to ask you guys too, because I know a lot of people 
this has been an issue for a lot of people, but I just, I'm about to buy um, weights, like free weights, because the gyms are closed. That's hard to find, believe it or not, actually. It is. It's so expensive now, and they jacked up the prices because they know all the gyms are closed. So I don't know how how you guys have been adjusting to it, if you guys work out and stuff, but I used to go to the gym, and it really sucks now that I have to do these, like, home workouts and stuff. So. No, you can go first. Yeah, so for me, and if you listen to the pod, I, I might have mentioned like a couple months ago, I won this like luxury gym membership for my job. It was like three months. Yeah, I so I, I used to not, I used to run a lot. I'm like a former runner, so I run a lot, but I never used to lift weights until I won the luxury gym membership. So I was about two months in going to this bougie gym every day, towel service, cold <laughs> towels, all that bullshit. <laughs> When the shit closed down and everything was done, I realized that at-home workouts don't work. So I stopped. I, I tried the at-home workout literally maybe the second week of quarantine, third week of quarantine. I have a little medicine ball, did a little, you know, sit-ups. I tried to do push-ups. I'm trying to do pull-ups. And then after, like, the second day, I said no. And since that day, I put on about 10 pounds. Like, I literally posted on my own private social media page. Like, I, I literally went on scale. This is the heaviest I've ever weighed, which for most people, this is reg- regular weight. But I was like, one, what did I have on a scale? 134, 135? It was like which 10 pounds since quarantine started, which is nothing for most people. But for me, it's like, I genuinely look down at my stomach and I look at my gut and I'm like, wow, like, I'm actually really But this is the first time in my life where I haven't been. I haven't been active like I haven't been because I usually run at least you know five times a week this is the first time where I've done nothing and you know I know a lot of my running I feel like because of COVID more people are running now than ever if you look outside everybody's running people that never want to go outside and the fact that there's so many people outside I don't want to run because I don't want to risk it and I also I don't want to run a mask but I feel like now that the infection rates are starting to drop, I feel a little more comfortable going outside probably. So I'm hoping maybe not next week, but the week after that, I'll be able to you know get a run in early in the morning before people get out. I'll probably go somewhere far and abandon, but it's tough. The, the at-home workout, it's not as motivating. And I feel like in a gym with weights, you have benchmarks where you know where you're improving every week. You have goals that you can set. You feel like you're actually achieving something and getting better at something. And opposed to at home workouts, you're just doing, you know, the little light shit to keep you fit. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I'm trying to, the workouts I'll be doing is essentially just PT. So I do like three times, a, three times a week, I'll do like 15 minutes going up and down the stairs, or I will, you know, use the free weights or the, the uh, resistance bands and the, not, nothing. Nothing too crazy, but just trying to obviously get stronger again and, you know, right. have some type of normalcy, uh, being normal again, you know? So, right, right. so that's, uh, I think that's my go-tos right now as far as working out. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. It's just tough. I think, um, I think whenever gyms, and I think gyms, honestly, are going to probably be one of the last things to probably come back. I would say... And, and the thing is, I don't think gyms are going to be able to come back the same. I think gyms are going to become a service that's going to have to be appointment only. Like I, I was hearing on the news that like Equinox reached out to their members that 
whenever we do reopen, it's going to be appointment only. Like, you'll have to make your appointment on the app. You come in during a specified time window. You'll probably have to work out with a mask on. Showers will be closed. Saunas will be closed. So it's, you know, and I don't know. I think you could probably get away with that if everything's done. Obviously, you'd have to have staff on site cleaning shit all day. But it could possibly be fine. But like I said, once you hear somebody has COVID at your gym, it's like, fuck. <laughs> Everybody right. that was in there that day is worried. So we'll see. I think definitely the soonest I would say you could probably look to expect that is like maybe July, but it's tough. Yeah. So my friend, um, one of my good friends, she's a trainer and a lot of, um, she works at Equinox in New York and a lot of the, um, I guess the, the clients are talking about how they're already upset that they have to, you know, make an appointment to, um, reserve certain spots and they're just saying that the membership is just too expensive for you to not be guaranteed uh, a, a, a place yeah. gym. So I think the only way that's going to work is, which I understand that's what they have to do, but they should either reduce the membership or you have to give them some type 100%, of discount. 100%. Because that's not what yeah, they paid for when they signed up for it. Ultimately, yeah. It's like, exactly. I didn't pay. And I know their membership is probably north or south of like, depending on which one you go to, like 150 or so a month i know like my luxury gyms like 175 a month and like trust me if i was paying for that i would be like i want all my amenities i'm not going back to you know if i can't use a sauna if there's no cold towels like if things change then this isn't what i signed up for so it's definitely going to be an industry that takes the hit definitely. yeah for sure yeah definitely before you got Definitely cut agree. off, well, after you got cut off, me and Nikhil were just talking about the one thing we've noticed like that's emerged from this um, quarantine thing has been these artists doing these, I guess we call it sound clash or these versus battles on like Instagram versus. live. Oh, yeah. It's so entertaining. I'm wondering if that's something that like with due time, does that transition off of that platform? And when things go back to normal, are people, you know, with like, like if it's produced well, would that be something that would actually do well on TV where people are just, you know, maybe on MTV or BT or whatever, playing their best hits versus another person head to head? Like that might actually be something that could be, you know, marketable and profitable. So, yeah, I think so too. Cause people are interested to see, like, I know what the, I don't know if you guys tuned into like the baby face and Teddy Riley, mm -hmm. yep. but that was like the, the most anticipated one. And I just, for me personally, being a music lover, I just like seeing all of the OGs like play their hits, not even so much a battle, just like appreciating each other's music yeah. and like different throwbacks. So I, I agree. I think I could see that, you know, moving to like a television platform in the future, but we still have a while until COVID is. Yeah, is, definitely. That's still a long have like term. a year or so. Yeah, yeah right. a long term thing, but it's definitely something that like, yeah, because it's just something that where you're like, oh, wow, I forgot he was on that song. I forgot he made that. Right, right. So it definitely gets people going. So yeah, I might have to like market that to somebody before they like profit off that. I'm yeah, <laughs> you should, you should. The best, the best one was, uh, was a Neo one. It was Neo. Neo. I missed that and, one. I missed it. That was the best one. It's weird I forgot how the dude's it name. So much traction and people just know about it. Like you'll just start seeing people tweet on Twitter about it. It's almost like mm -hmm. word of mouth, and then before you know it, it's like a hundred thousand people in this shit. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it was Neo <laughs> and, and Jonta, right? I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right, but the other writer, Jonta. Jonta, yeah, there you go. Yeah, I didn't realize he wrote a lot of songs for Aaliyah. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, he wrote like four or five songs for Aaliyah. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of the yep. background guys are getting credit now from these things and it's like oh I didn't yeah. know so 
it's it's been interesting it's been very interesting and it's a lot of education too because when you go on like twitter or anything like that and then you'll see like uh uh you know one of the famous people's kids like let's say like uh somebody random like gary let's say gary payton's kid people will be like oh i didn't know that was i didn't know that was his son or i didn't know that this particular person made this type of song so it's, it's like essentially this COVID 19 is educating us yeah. in ways right. that we never imagined yeah oh man i guess before we get off the mic because we're almost out of time anything anybody want to bring up Usually this is the time where it's like the end of the pod. If you want to call somebody out that's been doing bullshit, or even if you want to call somebody out that did a great act, whatever you want to do, it's your closing thoughts. Uh, You get to go first, Alexandria, if you have any. I'm trying to think. We can come back to you. Yeah, yeah, come back to me. Come back to me. I got somebody to call out. I'll go first. I got to call out the airline industry because- Ooh, get him. Yeah, full of shit. Um, I just don't like the fact that they got bailed out by the government, yet there's so many people who, let's be real, if you had a trip vacation plan nine times out of ten, you're not going to want to go no more. But the fact that they're not offering refunds for most people, and then not only that, but they're telling people there's time limits on when you could, like, redeem this travel. Like, for example, I asked, could I get anything over a two-year extension because there's no guarantee that this COVID situation is going to be resolved in two years or three years. What I wanted to know is why can't this just be a lifetime credit? Like you have my money already. Why do you have to have a time limit on when I'm going to redeem it? So it's just like, I really, really just want to give a big fuck you to the airline industry for not being flexible and basically, you know, just saying fuck. Call out the airline, man. Not the airline industry. It's It's all of them. American Airlines, Delta, JetBlue. Uh, all of them united like it's, it's it's a clown show and my thing is you guys are out here changing flights that's the thing too is like even if i was still going on this trip they've done move my flight time so much where it's like it's not gonna work out i'm gonna end up going to la much later much earlier i think it was earlier or later no, i think it was later actually it just doesn't match up like it was a three uh prong trip me and my girl was gonna play where we we're gonna go to la vegas and then back to new york they've moved everything so much where there's just large gaps of time where either i don't have a hotel accommodation anymore or i don't have a you know airbnb accommodation anymore and it's like for you guys to be able to do all of that free of charge it lets me know like nah so the next time i'm on a plane I'm stealing everything before I get off. The <laughs> I'm taking that shit. The little safety guy, taking that shit. If I see blankets, I'm taking. I'm taking every fucking thing every for the rest time. of my life. Till I die. God willing, if I get on another plane, I'm taking everything off the fucking plane. And when I ask for more <laughs> snacks, I want it. I'm going in the back and I'm stealing it. That's, it. That's all I wanted to say. I wanted to call out myself okay. and the other men that be messaging. My cousin and telling her, "Oh, oh you don't know anything about the NBA, or yeah, you don't know what you don't know when shit's gonna be open, or that's what I was doing. So <laughs> I'm gonna take the L, full responsibility, and say I didn't know what I was talking about because obviously you know people in the NBA who said it's gonna, you know, happen again. So I'm taking full responsibility on that and taking the L. So." Here's my Thank L. you, cuz. I appreciate it. <laughs> and I feel like I don't really have... Okay, well, I, I was going to say I don't really have anyone to call out. I was going to say mostly just, like, you know, I hope 
if Adam Silver is listening to this, that he brings the season back, you know, eventually. He's got boy Ron to get that chip. But I will say, you know, what Akil mentioned, I do want to call out a lot of the men that think women in general don't know sports and don't know what they're talking about. There's a about. large continuum. continuum ugh, fuck the word up, but there's a large group <laughs> of them that I see on social media. A lot. Yes, and it's like, at this point, it's 2020. Like, I mean, I don't understand why there's still that that misconception that a woman doesn't know what she's talking about, especially when it comes to sport, sports that we played. Like, I feel like a lot of times when I make, granted, I do have a lot of men that support me and like will tell me, no, you know your shit, like, you know the actual game. But there's a lot of men that like to slide in my DMs and always try to say that I don't know what I'm talking about when I essentially <laughs> do. And I just feel like they do that just because I am a woman. Like, they don't expect a woman to actually know the game of basketball. They expect a girl to not have any type of interest in it or not to know, understand the rules and, and how things work. So I just want to call out all the men, the ignorant men, that think that every woman is, you know, just a housewife or some shit and doesn't know how to do that. <laughs> like, so I'm calling y'all out. But, you know, for the people that do appreciate, you know, our, um, you know, our opinions and, and what, we're, what we're saying, you know, we love y'all, but, yeah, so I'm just calling y'all out. Take back your power, queen. <laughs> Those are clearly the same guys that couldn't make varsity, so they just big mad still. That's all. Right, right. That's my thing. If you couldn't make varsity in high school, you can't comment on anything sports related over Thank anybody. You. I don't want to hear that. You couldn't make JV. Yeah, like you couldn't make varsity. I don't want to hear you commenting on my shit. So 100% you on that. Yeah, and that's just that's just society. Those people, like I said, they like doing that shit on the keyboards. That's all it is. But they don't and I feel like that's a way too that they they try to flirt also. Like, that's corny. You know. Yeah. That's yeah, another, like, not, I gotta, I gotta, that's a public service announcement to, little, to all my little bros. Yes, that right. shit is corny, son. Corny. <laughs> Tell her you're interested in your life. That old shit of the, the teasing, acting, all that's, that shit's corny, little bro. Very, that shit's corny. Exactly. get blocked. Yeah. So. Well, we appreciate you coming on. Obviously, uh, on behalf that's of me and Akil, you have an open invite to jump on the pod anytime you want. Always. Obviously, let us know. We really appreciate your insight. I feel like this was a great convo. We went by really fast. I can't believe it's been an hour, but um, it's been really good. And we really do appreciate your con- your 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 uh, ideas and your conversation. Um, I guess, do you want to give out your social media for people to follow you? Probably not. Uh, if you do, feel free to plug yourself. If not, you don't have to. No, I will not. I just want to say thank you so much for having me. And I really enjoyed myself. And this was like a very, because like I said, this this was my first podcast. So I wasn't really sure what to expect, but like this was like very chill and like just seems like a regular conversation we're having. So I will definitely be back. So, you know, let me know when the next time you guys want to, to have me and, um, you know, I'm open to more discussions. But I, yeah, my social media is um, Trini Queen underscore three. So T R I N I Q B E N underscore three. And that, that's my in- Instagram and my Twitter is sincerely under like two underscores three and stuff. Gotcha. Follow me. <laughs> we'll have it in the show description. Um, guys that's been listening, we appreciate you guys for sticking with the pod through these crazy times. Um, obviously, I know a lot of you reached out to me and you say, like, I appreciate the content coming through because, like I said, this is boring times, but um, <laughs> it's good. Um, you know, guys, if you haven't, if you're new, if this is your first time listening to the pod, subscribe to us. We're on iTunes, we're on Spotify. If we're not where you get your podcast, let me know, I'll make sure we're there. And um, yeah, just follow the podcast on Waving New Yorker Podcast on Instagram, TWNY Podcast on Twitter. 
um this is elijah we have a kill we have an alexander we want to thank you guys for listening uh stay safe stay corona free until next time guys peace out peace all right bye